Hi there, this is Nels Davis, and you're listening to All the Responsibility, None of the Authority, episode number 58. This is a podcast for product managers and innovators, entrepreneurs, and marketers to help you get more value to market faster for better success. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it, and I hope you find a lot of value in this show. In the last episode, I mentioned that I'm presenting two sessions at Project Product Conference in Indianapolis on March 10th. This conference is focused on how product marketing and product management can work together better to achieve their mutual goals of successfully taking new and innovative products to market, pretty much the topic of this podcast, and selling them, and of course, advancing and propelling their careers. Now, this episode is about the interface between product management and product marketing, and the all-important product knowledge that product management usually has and product ma- product marketing needs to create successful go-to-market programs. If you're interested in attending Project Product, which is March 10th and 11th in Indianapolis, you can check the show notes for a link and a discount code. Uh, the show notes are at alltheresponsibility.com slash 58. And if you happen to be in or near Indianapolis, either for the conference or for any other reason, I'll be leading my workshop on mastering persuasion and influence directly following the conference close on March 11th. This training especially focused on the needs of product managers and product marketers. You might be sensing a theme for this episode. It's a great way to build up some of the most important soft skills for both product managers and product marketers around persuasion and influence. I cover storytelling to engage your audience, structuring your presentations to keep their attention, pre-handling objections, and reducing the perception of risk. These are skills which are applicable to giving presentations where you might be selling or pitching an idea, as well as all the other types of communication that we do as product managers, even writing your feature specifications. You can check the show notes for the link to sign up. You might be there early enough for the early bird discount. But let's get back to the topic at hand, as I mentioned, product management and product marketing, how we work together. This episode kind of arose out of a conversation I had. I saw a friend the other night at a concert. His young kids were both performing solo songs at a coffee house. It's kind of a precocious family, and they were great. But he's a guy that used to be a product manager, and he recently moved from product management to product marketing. His current project is to pull together a go-to-market plan for his product. And at the moment, in his words, he is waiting for product management to tell me what I need to know. I thought that was a very interesting comment, and it's kind of one of the downsides of being the focus or the locus of all this product communication. People are always waiting on us product managers to give them the information that they need. But it started me thinking about how we might make this as easy on ourselves and as easy on our teammates in product marketing as possible. So I thought I'd first start to talk a little bit about what go-to-market really means. You might have heard some of this before on the podcast. That's kind of the what and why of the situation. And then I'll give one example or an idea of a how to help communicate the important knowledge that we have as product managers to product marketing in kind of what I think would be a fun way and a way that at least I think would work for me. So what does it mean to go to market? Well, it's the whole process of creating marketing programs that attract leads, turning those leads into sales prospects, working with the prospects through the sales process, and of course, ending by closing some subset of the prospects and turning them into customers. Now, this process requires a bunch of 
knowledge and product knowledge and information that the various players in the process, whether it's product marketing, marketing, sales, whoever it is, is going to use. So a successful go-to-market process almost always means that you, and I mean the company, your marketing and sales teams, can tell a meaningful story. And I'm using the word story literally here. Really, it's a, it's a story about the prospects and what their needs are. It's a specific segment for whom that story rings true, and that you then follow up with a pitch about a product that addresses that story. And of course, for the prospect, the story is a very sad one. They have some kind of a problem that's causing them big challenges and pain. Now, I'm coming at this a lot from the standpoint of an enterprise software product manager, meaning that my customers have big pains. They're very expensive to solve and often very, very challenging. And it's not just go to the app store and get a $3 app. So they might be, it might be something like they're failing to make quota every quarter, or they might be having errors in their accounting every month that have to be fixed at great manual cost. Or they might not be able to show their friends every minute of the day exactly how they're feeling about their relationship. That is actually kind of a consumer app type of problem. And the other part of these stories that are so important is they, these prospects have tried to solve their, these problems. They've tried and tried to fix the problem, but it's still happening. They have tried other software solutions. They might have tried to build a solution themselves. They might have tried to change their processes to make the situation better. And none of that attempts at trying to solve the problem has worked. And so now the company is about to go out of business because they can't make their sales. Or it's about to have a major Sarbanes-Oxley compliance failure, which is going to cause their stock to go down, whatever it might be. Now, of course, your product is the solution to this problem. And if they become a customer, their story ends up with a happy ending due to your product. Their sales go up, they make quota every quarter, their accounting problems vanish, people won't have to work overtime, and they won't have compliance problems. And that's probably not all. They might also get a raise or a promotion or at least a pat on the back or maybe recognition for having solved a terrible problem, of course, with your solution. So you get some glory from that as well. So if you think about that story, and there's always fundamentally when somebody buys something really expensive, like enterprise software, there's always some problem that needs to be solved that isn't being solved well by the company. It some kind of challenge that they need to get better at or they need to improve. And if they don't, what happens to a company that has a big challenge that doesn't get improved? Well, the company suffers. It might go out of business. People might get fired. They might have to downsize. They might lose out to competitors. They might start losing employees. There's all kinds of things that can go, go badly for a company who can't solve these problems. And of course, that's what your product does. It solves one of these problems. So you need to find the right people who have those problems. And so you really have four main things you need to think about in the go-to-market domain. First of all, you also obviously have to have a real a solution to a real problem that's causing a lot of pain in a particular segment. You really want to be able to use that pain as the leverage for getting the attention of the segment. And typically this is done with a story of some kind. Now, the ability to tell another story or maybe an augmentation to that first story about how our product will relieve their pain and arouses this, this arouses their interest and desire. And again, this is a story, but this time it's a story of the successful customer. And then, of course, we have to approve our claims and reduce their perception of risk and show how our solution is their best alternative to enable them to really take action, which in this case is going to be buy our product. 
So what does that say about our product? It has to solve a specific problem that a segment has. It has to solve it better than the the other alternatives that the people in the segment have, whether that's competitors or spreadsheets or just doing business as usual or training their people. And we have to obviously be able to articulate how it does that in an effective, persuasive, influential way. So given all that stuff, what does marketing need to execute on go-to-market? Because what you're going to look at is the way you're going to create a go-to-market program, the way you're going to get prospects in, the way you're going to get prospects through your sales funnel is you're going to entice prospects with some of the story about how we understand the problem that they're having and we understand how to solve it better than their alternatives. And then we have to convince them that that we do understand their problem as they come into our funnel. And we have to validate that these prospects actually do have the kinds of problems that we solve. That's called qualification. And we have to discover the specifics of the prospect's actually actual experience of this problem. That's called discovery often. And then we often can reuse the things that we hear from the prospect during discovery as part of the sales process. And of course, during the sales process, the prospect is going to say, well, what about feature X that you don't have? Or what about this competitor? And we have to be able to tell stories about why feature X maybe isn't as important as they think. Or why choosing us rather than a competitor is going to end up with a better solution for them. And again, that's often done through stories of successful customers. So that's a lot of the components of what I call the product knowledge that you need to give to marketing as a product manager that you need to give to marketing so that marketing can go out and create those programs and create that process that we can get the prospects through and and ultimately enable us to close them and, and to sell them. So it doesn't just include stories. It also includes points of differentiation with competitors. It includes the delighters that prospects will enjoy when they become customers. And again, these are often all best delivered as stories from customers. Now, marketing also typically is the owner of several key sales tools, like a script that can be used for qualifying and discovery when the salesperson calls a new lead, or an objection handling guide, which includes maybe competitive-related information, as well as risk mitigation information. And so the point is, product management typically is the place where a lot of this information is held. Product marketing needs the information. So how do we get the information from product management to product marketing? And the key point, really, how do I get this information to product marketing while I'm doing all the other stuff that I have to do as a product manager? And I think there's a few good ways to do this. And there's one that specifically will work, would work well for me, I think. That's what I'm going to talk about in a minute. And it's what I recommended to my friend at the concert. Now, I'm going to talk about it as though I was telling the product marketing manager what to do as opposed to talking to the product manager. So I'm. it's really couched as advice to the product marketing manager on how to get the critical information from his or her product manager. And the overall structure, product marketing manager, is that you're going to create a template PowerPoint with placeholders for all the key information. And I'll talk about what those placeholders are. It's going to be empty initially, or maybe you know a little bit. And you're, then you're going to ask the product manager to come into a room with you and present from this PowerPoint that's a template, freeform, just off the top of their head. You're going to record the conversation and get it transcribed. And that's going to be 60 to 80% of the product knowledge that you need to make good marketing programs. Now, I think this would work. And the, one of the points here is that you 
as the product manager, the product manager doesn't have to go and write it all down sort of in a little room by him or herself. It can be elicited as part of a conversation. One of the reasons that often can work better is if you're like me at any rate, you probably think better by talking than you do by writing. I'm a pretty good writer and I write a lot, but I tend to do a better job of coming up with ideas and connections, connections and things actually when I'm talking. So let's go back to the advice to the product marketing manager. What should I put on the PowerPoint as the product marketing manager? Well, there's a few things that you want to put on here. There's sort of the, what, the guidelines for the things that you need to know from the product manager. One of them is the value proposition. And maybe you think about the structure of the value proposition. And I have a couple of articles and podcasts about the value proposition. But basically, the value proposition includes a couple of sentences about who the solution is for, in other words, the segment, what it does, what, what the product does functionally, and probably some benefits related to that, why, and why this product is superior a better choice for the prospect than the prospect's other alternative. So maybe three or four lines all about that. So you put each of those lines maybe on a slide on its own as the, you know, sort of as a question, who is this for? What does it do? What are the benefits of that? Why is it a better choice? Four slides. So sometimes the product management team has already provided this. Um, and if they have, then you use the time to explore that in more depth and try to get stories, the target segment, stories about the problem, maybe things you've heard from prospects, you're going to want to ask those questions anyway. What, how the solution works, why, what are the differentiators, and drill down on each of those things. And each time as you're going through this, whether or not you start with any content, each time the product manager tells you a fact or a feature about the product, ask the benefit the customer gets from that feature. Ask if the product manager has any stories from customers about before they had that feature or our solution. And after they had it. So what was their life like before they got our solution? What was their life like after they got the solution? If the product manager says something about, well, this is for clients who have situation A, then you might want to ask, well, how can we tell if a client has situation A or a prospect? Now, the reason for this is it's much more effective to have a product marketing program to get leads who exactly match the criteria of the people that have the problem that we solve. It's probably more expensive to have that marketing program, but each of those leads is going to be much, much more valuable because they actually are going to be somewhat qualified when we get them. Now that we may not still be able to close them, but we're more likely to close them and we're probably more likely to make money off of them. So again, you're going to want to be asking a lot of questions as the product manager goes through. And your goal of asking these questions is to get stories, is to get additional information on how to tell if you're talking to the right people and how to, what types of questions to ask and things like that. So if the product manager says something about the competition, you might want to ask how we know we beat the competition. Like, do we have a customer story? That's a theme. Do we have stories for things? Do we have a benchmark or a litmus test for our comparison to the competition? How did we get the benchmark or litmus test results? This might be from a customer. It might be from an industry guide, something like that. We might have done the test ourselves. It's very useful to know that sort of thing when the marketing team is putting together the sales guide because the salesperson is going to get asked that question and you want to be able to have that salesperson be able to answer the question effectively and truthfully. Now, one of the slides should talk about why should a prospect buy this, our solution, instead of the competitor's solution. 
And the product manager should have some good answers to this question for any value of X or for any particular competitor. And sometimes a competitor can be not doing anything, right? Or it can be spreadsheets. You also want to see if you can get the product manager to talk about the reduction of the perception of risk. Perception of risk is always a big challenge for enterprise sales because they're so expensive and the risk of the, the cost to the person that makes the decision is very high if it fails, not just the cost from the standpoint of dollars, but the cost from the standpoint of reputation, prestige, perhaps their, even their job. So how can we talk to the prospect about risk? For example, how about the risk that our product won't solve the prospect's problem? How do we talk about that? What stories do we have from customers who felt that risk but achieved their goals? What about the risks of change management? A lot of times prospects think it will be too hard to change or too costly to change and that that will be a way that they don't get the full value. They might also be concerned about what else they could be spending their money on, the opportunity cost. That's really related to the cost of the problem and the value of solving it versus other problems that the prospect might have. And so how do we talk about that? How do we position the problem that we solve as being more important to solve than other problems that the prospect might have? That's an, that's an opportunity cost kind of argument. Now, I want to make clear that this is not an antagonistic conversation. It's meant to be you, the product marketing manager, eliciting the best, most intuitive knowledge about the product and the ideal customer from the product manager, especially in the forms of stories and anecdotes to the degree possible. But also, I think it gives you a chance to bring everything up a level because you're having this conversation and this back and forth moving from, for example, from feature to benefit, and, of course, moving from, you told me a fact, now tell me a story, the story that's behind that fact. Now, one of your most important goals, product marketing manager, is to elicit the real emotional meat in these answers. What is going to happen to the prospect if they don't find our solution? What great things did our customers achieve as a result of implementing our solution, in addition to having their problems solved? You know, they might have gotten a raise or a promotion or a pat on the back. And, of course, the prospect that doesn't buy our solution may be facing getting fired, getting a demotion, having to leave the company, the company going out of business or doing a big layoff. So you want to be able to get both the bad side, the potential results if, you, if we don't solve the problem for the client or for the prospect, and the results that we can sort of promise or at least intimate that we can give to the prospect if they do buy our solution. Because in reality, most prospects are somewhat motivated by having a good business result, you know, improving sales by 10% or 20%. But they tend to be more motivated by things like getting a raise or getting a promotion or not getting fired or the company not going out of business on their watch. And so you really want to try to get that emotional stuff. Now, I've talked about these kind of emotional components of stories in a bunch of other podcasts, and I'll put some links in the show notes. Again, that's at alltheresponsibility.com slash 58. And you can hear some of the other things I've talked about that. I also have a new cheat sheet coming out soon, which is about storytelling. And I actually have an existing cheat sheet that's specifically about customer storytelling and how to get the best stories from customers about their successes with your product. And if you go to alltheresponsibility.com slash stories, you can actually download that the existing cheat sheet and I'll have another one pretty soon as well. Now 
why am I suggesting doing it this way, where you're having a conversation in a room, there's a PowerPoint? Well, for me, and I think this is true of other product managers, not, not every product manager probably, but a lot of us, we're better at talking than at writing. Now, I, as I said, I do a lot of writing, but I all tend to have better ideas when I'm talking than when I'm writing. And I've kind of presented this example as though you're the product manager, or sorry, as though you're the product marketer, what can you take away from these ideas if you are actually a product manager like most of the listeners to this show are? Well, first of all, I think this is the kind of stuff that you should have at your fingertips or at least in your mouth, so to speak, as a product manager. If you can write it all down, so much the better. But if you can get product marketing to write it down for you, I think that's a bonus. And because of this interview format, you might actually get a little bit deeper into some of these things anyway. And second, I'm hoping that you realize that with our help, the product marketers we work with can be a lot more effective. And finally, sometimes there actually isn't a product marketing function. This is true in smaller companies where the product manager actually has to do both product management and the functions of creating marketing materials that will draw in the right prospects, that will help the salespeople close deals. And in that case, you have to take on both roles. And I think the self-interview approach using PowerPoint slides in an empty conference room is often still a good approach. Even if you don't have someone asking you the questions, you can ask yourself those questions. And it's probably even better if you can get some kind of a confederate to work with you, maybe another product manager, maybe someone from the sales team, to ask you the leading questions that I talked about earlier. Finally, this is maybe not a one-and-done situation. It's going to be an incremental process, particularly if you're starting just starting out with it. Some of this kind of information might take a while to develop, but at least you have to have the value proposition and the positioning statement initially. That's really important. It's sort of the first thing that I recommend in terms of really understanding a full story of what your product does, why it exists, right? Having something about who has the problem, the problem that it solves, why your solution is superior to other alternatives. That's really what the value proposition is. And if you don't have that, then I often wonder, do you really know why you're building your product in the first place, right? Because your product needs to be a solution to a problem that's bad enough that people will pay for a solution to the problem. You know, it also has to do with putting that story, that value proposition, in the language or in language that will resonate with the target audience, in this case, with your prospects. Because it's easy to talk about a product as sort of a technological thing, but if the prospects aren't thinking about needing that technology or if you're positioning in a certain way that they think maybe they've already got a solution, even though your solution solves their problem, that might not work. There's a story by April Dunford in her book, Obviously Awesome, about a product that she was involved with at one point. They had a few successful customers, but they couldn't really get traction in the market with their pitch, which was about being having a very fast database. And so what they did, they went and talked to their customers, the successful ones, and the customers didn't think of that product as a very fast database. They already had a big database, and it was fine as a database. In the eyes of their successful customers, Dunford's product was a business intelligence tool and a data warehouse. They didn't need a new database. What they needed was a new data warehouse so they could quickly find information in a certain way that they couldn't do with their existing database. So trying to sell a database, even if the product literally is a database, 
when what the prospect really needs is a business intelligence data warehouse is really hard. And in fact, that's the experience that April Dunford's company had when they pivoted to talking about their product as what, it, what the prospect perceived it as, which is this data warehouse, they were much, much more successful. Now, you can see this again and again in companies' pivots. Often, the pivot isn't that the technology is wrong, but that the problem that they're talking about or the way they're positioning the technology doesn't align with what the prospect thinks they need or is thinking how they're thinking about the problem, even if it actually does solve their problem. Now, this is actually a very common cause of product failures. It's not the most common cause. The most common cause is that the product actually doesn't solve a problem that anybody cares about. And that's, don't, try not to do that. That's why you really need to have the value prop. Having the situation where you, you have technology, you have some successful customers, and they are, they are getting value from your product, but you can't quite get traction in the market, you know, that's a much better situation to be in. You know, you at least know that your product really does solve somebody's problem. And then you just have to make sure you understand how to talk about the way that it solves that problem in the way that the prospects understand. And that's why I say the most important piece of product knowledge you have to give product marketing is that value proposition, what the product is, what the problem solves, or, and the problem it solves in the prospect's own terms and why they should choose it over the alternatives. And, and again, it's not just that they will understand it, but that they'll resonate with it. Calling your app a database is understandable. But if what it does is solve a data warehousing problem for customers who already have a database, calling it a database will not win the deal. Let me talk about, a little bit about the rest of the product knowledge that I think you need to be considering providing to product marketing and to the sales organization. Sort of what I call the minimum viable product knowledge for making quota. And I have a podcast and a couple of articles about this, which I'll put in the show notes, as I said. Obviously, the value proposition, talked about that one already. The market segments to attack, kind of talked about that, who the people are that have the problems that our product solves, along with specific qualifying questions to ensure we're talking to the right people. So you can't just name the segment. You have to say, how do we make sure that the people we're talking to are in that segment? Product-specific objection handling guides are really important, and this includes both customer success stories for handling all different kinds of object types of objections, you know, nothing really addresses an objection as well as we have a customer who is worried about that too, but they're very successful with our product now. Would you like to talk to them? And then, of course, competitive information, things like key differentiators, maybe hit sheets, pricing info, and things like that. So those are what I consider to be the four fundamental components, the value prop, the segments, the objection handling, and the competitive information. There's more. There's a lot more as well that you could provide, but those will get you a long way toward having a more successful go-to-market process. Now, I hope this episode has given you some good ideas about how and what to communicate with product marketing. And of course, if you're a product marketer, you heard me give you a bunch of ideas about how to elicit that information from product managers. I do have a few other episodes about the topic and some articles on the blog, and I'll link to all those things in the show notes. Again, alltheresponsibility.com slash 58 is where the show notes are. In particular, I highly recommend this technique of creating a sketchy set of slides and going into a room and presenting from them, whether you're doing market data or product, product data or whatever you're trying to do, going into a room, presenting from them out loud. You're going to learn a lot about your subject as you do it. You'll learn ways to articulate your knowledge more effectively, 
and it will help you organize your thoughts. And again, this is true whether you're talking about product knowledge or anything else. If you'd be interested in learning more about how to help your team or yourself develop the product knowledge deliverables that are needed for a successful go-to-market, you can schedule a free coaching call with me at alltheresponsibility.com slash coaching. And I can help you and your team accelerate your product management effectiveness in go-to-market or any other aspect of product management. If you want to give me a call, I do coaching and workshops and other engagements. In the show notes, you'll also find links to subscribe to the podcast on all the different podcast suppliers. There's like a million of them. Uh, the great benefit of subscribing, of course, is that you get the next episode when it comes out, typically on a weekly basis. Not always, but usually it's on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, depending on how the weekend went. This last couple weeks have been a little bit weird because, hey, we had a baby. We didn't have a baby. My daughter had a baby. I'm a grandfather, so that's kind of cool. But that caused a few things to get a little out of schedule. You can help others find this podcast if you rate and or review it on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can also, in most podcast players, just share it directly to your product manager friends, and that would be awesome. We really like it when you do that because it enables other product managers to find it. And if you think that's a good thing, then that is something that you can help me out with. There's more on the show notes page, like how to get in touch with me directly, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's time to close it out. This has been episode number 58 of All the Responsibility, None of the Authority. Thanks for listening. And until the next episode, this is Nels Davis, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. We have ignition.